no sales or more sales, learning should never stop. That's why you and I are here, bringing you Limitless, a maverick podcast channel with perfectly blended sales and marketing tips. Tips from people who have been there and done that. Put on your headsets, earphones or airpods because we are going for a heck of a sales hack ride. Hey all, welcome to another episode of a Limitless podcast series. I am Nisha, a product marketer at Hippo Video and your podcast host. We have with us today, Ricky Pearl. Hey Ricky, welcome to Limitless. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, the pl- pleasure is all mine and it's great to have you here. So Ricky is a hardcore outbound sales guy who's all about growth. He is the CEO of Pointer, an organization that offers sales as a service by crafting outbound sales strategies for businesses, coaching sales teams on outbound best practices, and providing outsourced BDRs and SDRs. So today, Ricky Pearl will be decoding the anatomy of an elusive, complex, and extremely critical sales component, which is cold outreach. All right, so let's get started with the questions. Let's do it. Awesome. Here we go. Okay, here's my first question for you. Let's start with how salespeople should mentally brace themselves uh, before picking up the receiver, you know, because there's no guessing how the call might go, right? So yeah. how does an SDR shake off that, uh, you know, dread of getting rejected before they make the call? There's some great videos that you can watch on going from cold call reluctance to cold call confidence. And one of the big strategies we try to teach is detaching yourself from the outcome. You, they are not rejecting you. Mm. They, them saying no is a reflection of their own needs and their own circumstance and not you or yours. Uh, you're a voice on the phone and we try to teach our cold callers to be like actors. You know, <laughs> a villain in a movie is not a villain in real life. He's playing a role. And if somebody doesn't like that character, maybe they're not meant to like that character in a movie. You're playing that role well. So we try to get them to act like good cold callers. It's not them. They could give themselves a fake name if they want. (laughs) So um, trying to detach the rejection from being personal and detaching themselves from the outcome are probably the two main things that we teach. And um, when... SDRs or BDRs get that right. They don't feel rejection anymore. They just got a no and that's okay. We collect no's and we collect enough no's. We finally get a yes. Okay. That's good advice. But you know, some people are really passionate about sales, right? You know, they make salesperson their whole personality. So uh, Uh, look, I I think it's very difficult when you do that. I think if you want to make sales part of your personality, then that is fine, but you have to have a mature approach to that and understand that sales is not convincing people mm-hmm. of anything. Sales is about helping people uh, and facilitating a decision that they make, that they need to make. And cold calling, professionally mm-hmm. interrupting people's days, yes, yeah. there are better ways to do that and there are lesser ways to do that, but there are some people you simply will never reach on a cold call and mm-hmm. they are turned off from the seconds their phone rings even before they've heard your voice. So you can't win all of them. And if you are planning to win all of them, um, then you are very attached to the outcome and you will be feeling the rejection when you don't get the results you want. Okay, yeah, that's great advice. Speaking about cold calls, do you have a cold call opener that works for you like almost all the time? No. Nothing works almost all the time. Um, Firstly, we do a lot of outreach all over the world and we find that different countries, different cultures, 
work very differently. I'll give you an example. At the okay. moment in the US, permission-based openers are not working well anymore for us. Six mm. months ago, they worked almost every time when you say, you know, hey, James, Ricky here, mind if I tell you why I'm calling? Or could I take 30 seconds to tell you why I'm calling? Or whatever your permission-based opener is, worked almost every time. Okay. Now, not working as much. And it's putting people on the back foot. So now in the US, we're using a bit more of a direct outreach approach where we might use um, something a little bit more forceful to put the cold caller on the same stature or same status as the person they're calling. And they might just say, James, and say, yeah, so you're responsible for the monthly recurring revenue and converting it to ARR at your business. I'd say, yes. So great. The reason I wanted to chat to you and so we either go uh, something like the Justin Michaels or the Patrick William Joyce's uh, Router and Multiply. Okay, so it's being more direct and to the point instead of uh, beating around the bush. Absolutely. Whereas if you're calling in Australia, for example, permission-based openers still work very effectively and will use a permission-based opener over a more direct approach. In oh. Australia, mm -hmm. in New Zealand, as an example, you could... Or even in France, for example, you could quite comfortably call and say, how are you doing? How's your day going? Mm. Or how have you been as a slightly better version of that, which you would be, you'd never do in the US, but certain cultures that's still, um, it's actually better because if you don't do that, they might find you rude. Yeah. I mean, uh, the US is known for being fast paced and direct. So I guess, <laughs> and yeah, Europeans yeah. are in general more warm and open, I guess. I mean. <laughs> Not exactly. you, but still. No, of course. It's uh, also it's just the amount of cold calls in in a, yeah. in the US. People are inundated with robocalls and cold yeah. calls all day. In the in Australia, my phone hardly rings, and if somebody calls me, I don't mind if they give a polite "How have you been?" Right. Yeah, because everyone's target is the US. The target market is the US. So yeah. exactly. Uh, so yeah, in terms of a cold call opener that works, you have to know your market. You have to know the persona that you're calling, and if you're not calling, if you're calling into the US, I wouldn't be using permission-based openers anymore. If you're calling anywhere else in the world, permission-based openers are still highly effective. Awesome. Okay. So I think that's uh, something our listeners would implement going forward. I think this is very useful advice. So, okay. If not an opener, do you have a framework? Like, you know, what do you lead with, segue into, and then end with? A generic framework kind of? We, we don't really use a generic framework. Every single company that we work with might okay. need something slightly different and we'll go through a process of writing a script mm. it depends on the industry you're calling into we do a lot in construction technology for example and when you're calling tradies it's a lot it's a much lighter more casual conversation um whereas if you're calling a, a a chief marketing officer for an enterprise account but typically we would start with the call opener we would then go um, some kind of a problem stake statement or provoke them in some way. Okay. We then might go through to um, bring in some social proof through another provoking question mm. and then go to our call to action. So really short, sharp, to the point. Okay. So I think most of our listeners here would be, uh, you know, B2B salespeople and yeah, they would find this advice useful, this framework that you've just shared. So, yeah, so to give you an example, it might be, um, hey, G James, Ricky here from Pointer. Do you mind okay. if I tell you why I'm calling? I say, yeah, what's going on? And then you would 
go with a little bit of a problem statement or provoking them saying, Hey, James, talking to a lot of CROs like you, a lot of them are struggling to convert their monthly recurring revenue to annual recurring revenue. And then mm -hmm. we'd go with a provoking question or bring in social proof again, depends on the customer and you can do them both together. So you could say, I was actually just chatting to the CRO for a ClickUp and um, they were mentioning that they really were struggling to convert that ARR to MRR or okay. MRR to ARR. Is that on your agenda too? Okay. And so now I've like led with a provoking question. I've brought in some social proof. Um, hopefully what I'm talking about is hyper relevant to them. And I've got a simple yes or no answer that I'm getting out of them. So I can start getting some, um, some small yeses. And if mm. they say, no, it's not on the agenda, on the agenda, I go into objection handling, which is all I'm really trying to do. Essentially that first question, the, the plan is I'm going to get into my objection handling. If they say, yes, it is on the agenda. I might do another provoking question or I might just go straight to the call to action. And in the call to action, again, we might bring in social proof, might not. So an example of that could be a simple call to action would be, Hey, look, do you mind if I send you some more information on this? Oh. Could I flick it over to you via email? Or um, would it be worth your time to see how we've solved this for ClickUp? That's, that's bringing in some social proof whilst asking for time. Mm. But whatever the call to action is, we currently going you know, pretty low. So sometimes it's just, could I send you more information? Super casual. Or sometimes it's really simply asking for time. Again, depends on the market. All right. Okay. So that brings me to my next question. And this could be highly subjective. You know, like most prospects, when you first call them and you ask them, you ask them some, you know, provoking questions, they might just answer them out of curiosity. But trust is, you know, what builds a relationship, right? So where does the trust factor come in? At what stage of the conversation, you know, does trust, do you get your prospects to trust you? I mean, it's, that's a, a super challenging one, right? Like okay. some people might answer you that, trust starts with your social selling beforehand. Um, okay. But I think it is very hard to build trust on a cold call. Mm. You can build rapport. Okay. Right. And you, you can build rapport. One of the ways that the great way to build rapport is, you know, being natural and um, bringing in humor. But a great way to build trust is to make them feel safe on the call. And one of the ways to make them feel safe is by not being presumptuous and not being pushy. Okay. Yeah. Right. Good. An example of that could be, you know, Hey, listen, man, um, I really don't know if our solution would be good for you, but okay. I think that's, I think, you know, seeing as like, I think that we might be able to help you because what you've described is quite similar to a solution, a, a problem that, um, this company had, and we were able to solve it for them would would it be worth jumping on a call and we could maybe show you how we solved it for them and you would see if that's relevant or you think that might be able to support you too so i'm not being presumptuous i'm not saying hey we can solve your problems i'm not being verbose or um using hyperbole and how excellent our product is i'm trying to sound very honest and straightforward and realistic because that's what people are actually expecting. They know there's no silver bullets out there. So you should sound like, you know, you're genuinely interested in solving your prospects problem. Rather and, than... and like understate things, be subtle okay. and understate things. Don't say your, your software is the best in the world. Don't say you've, you've helped hundreds of customers, you know, rather just say like, 
never use the we the best or fortunes or thousands just say like a few and mm -hmm. a good like i really like to underplay things and understate things and i feel like that builds trust because one i give them um i make it sound more realistic it doesn't get the back the hair on the back of their neck standing up and two i'll usually frame things in a safe way that they can feel i'm not really pushing them they have to opt in yeah sounds counterintuitive but i guess that's why it works so yeah yeah absolutely i mean not not selling is a pattern interrupt in itself yeah. that's what they're expecting on a cold call awesome okay all right so here's my next one for you uh so some sales people just make like you know n number of calls every day because they've been given a certain target to hit how detrimental is that practice to building real relationships with prospects because the fewer the better right uh, as far as um it really it, i think that depends on okay. the sales motion very okay. often the relationship that an sdr has with the prospect is very transactional it is mm. one conversation it's a 30 second conversation and they're setting up a meeting then for the account executive right so they're not actually trying to build a relationship Okay. And I don't really think SDR should be building a relationship unless you are social selling. If okay. you are not social selling, if you are cold calling, there's no relationship to build. There's rapport to build mm. and the account executive needs to build up that relationship. So volume does matter, okay. but, but quantity matters too. And mm. you need to look at both of those in conjunction. If you, um, you know, the, the goal is to maximize conversion which will be a factor of both quality and quantity whilst considering in your macro factors like your total addressable markets. If you only have a thousand people to call in total mm. and you're burning through them at a hundred a day, um, in 10 days, what do you do? You're out of prospects. You're, you've burned through your total addressable market. Mm. So if you only have a thousand, well, then you really need to focus on quality. If you come to some of the, the arenas we play in, which is like um, high level enterprise, we only have a hundred. We'll be looking at a hundred named accounts and that's what we have to prospect into over the course of a year. So you really have to be focused on quality. If you have a massive total addressable market, you've got you know, potentially 30,000 companies that you could call. Mm. Well, you yes, get your conversion up as high as you can, but volume will make a big difference then. Okay, so the bigger the companies are that you target or the higher the higher up the hierarchy the people are placed that you call the fewer the number less the volume kind of yeah okay. absolutely typically we would be looking at most things and saying does the, is this a high touch campaign or is this a low touch campaign and with each within each company or within the different ideal client profiles you might have a few we'll put the ceo onto a high touch campaign where we're trying to build a reputation social sell etc and if we're also calling in through all of their um lower ranks that might be a lower touch, higher volume approach. Okay, got it. All right. And uh, next question. So this is for the sales leaders out there listening to this podcast. What should the leadership do to reduce the loss of morale that's pretty common in sales in general and is right now more pronounced than ever before due to the you know ongoing downturn? Yeah, morale is so, so important. And I think what, what actually bothers salespeople is quite different to what sales leaders think it might be. For example, okay. most SDRs join a company and they think that the cold calling is going to be the worst part of the job. <laughs> what they realize soon is that cold calling is not the worst part of the job. It's listening to the dial tone mm. 
and getting no answers and sitting down for an hour on the phone and actually only having one conversation that is painful. That one conversation was actually the highlights of the hour. The other 59 minutes where you sat just listening to voicemails or, or dial tone, that was the terrible part. So really understanding what the friction is with your team can make a, a difference and focusing on professional development. Like one of the things Pointer does as a service is we do SDR and BDR management as a service. So we act as a SDR manager or a BDR manager. Um, people's SDRs and, and BDRs join our team. So we do daily call coaching with them, daily email reviews, weekly one-on-ones and ongoing professional developments that will take them over a year you know, worth of weekly training where they start off as the basics. And by the end of it, we're teaching them, you know, enterprise level account executive skills. And what we found is even if their job wasn't great as an SDR, because mm. they in this professional development environment, they feel like sticking this out for a year is going to be so beneficial when three years from now, they're going to be earning double what they're earning now. So they don't mind that they might be earning less or they might be struggling in the role um, or not enjoying parts of it because they can see how beneficial it is for their future. So I think professional development, R&D, good management is mm -hmm. all that's needed to increase morale and increase retention and also reducing frictions like maybe getting your team that dialer that they don't have to listen to ringtones or doing better on the research so that they're having more connects um, and able to get more success. All right. So, I mean, this was something new. I thought like, you know, rejections were the worst part, but as you said, you know, some conversation is better than no conversation. And this yeah. to an automated dial tone. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so, Ricky, speaking of skills, so what are some new skills that STRs need to pick up to sell to the modern buyer? I think writing is only becoming more and more important. Right? Okay. Uh, people are talking less and writing more. That's just like a general trend. You know, we've gone from phoning to texting and mm -hmm. email and DMs and social selling. So writing is an ever-increasing skill. Another one is the social selling, being able to build a reputation and prove that you're trustworthy online is a really important skill that's helping people sell. Mm -hmm. And um, I think buying decisions have become more complicated. More people are involved in the buying process. Buying processes have been extended. So sellers that have really good... Um, understanding um, of how people make decisions like that good business acumen active listening and empathy mm -hmm. are the ones that are going to thrive in a more complex environment like enterprise sales okay so listening is more important than speaking every day of the week okay awesome next one Automated email cadences are all the rage right now you know like since you mentioned writing and everyone's doing it how can a salesperson strike a balance between automation and personalization in a way that the cold email stands out to the prospect, but without losing out on the scalability factor? Yeah, that's a constant challenge, right? And I think it comes down mostly to the quality of what's in the email, yeah. right? So sales leaders like Sam McKenna will be teaching the, the show me, you know me. And what that is, is about personalizing your first emails, personalizing your outreach in such a way that you have proven to this person that you are different to every other spammer mm. and that you've put in some research and earned the right to have a conversation. So personalization is becoming really important. Now, there are some sneaky ways to do personalization at scale. Yep. And um, 
as those tricks grow, they work for a while. People learn them, people start doing them, and then they become less relevant because everyone else copies it. Yeah. So it, it is a hard balance to strike, but there is an, a creativity element to outreach, and you'll find the more creative prospectors will be doing better and better over time. Okay. Could you give some examples of that creativity? How can that be expressed in emails? Uh, uh, an example was um, was one from um, Brex, as an example. What they did for their cold outreach was they had an email from the CEO. This is what the thread looked like. There was an email from the CEO saying, hey, James, won't you reach out to, um, to Clary? I noticed that they're not using pointer services. And given that they're hiring at the moment, I really think we'd be able to help them. Would you set up a call for me, please? Then uh, yeah. James forwards that emails, that email to the VP of sales at Clary saying, you know, hi, Susan, um, was asked to reach out to you. And then in brackets, see below. We noticed that you're hiring and we really think um, Pointer could help. Could we set up a call between you and my CEO? Now, that looks like a, a thread. It looks like the CEO has sent this SDR an email and the SDR has forwarded this email on to this leader at the prospects company, but actually that's just all set up within the sales engagement platform. And, oh, okay. yeah, know, that's clever. <laughs> you know, uh, it just looks that way. It looks like a forward, even in the subject line, they'll put forward colon and yeah. then the subject letters, right? So that's an example. Now that was big in 2018. It doesn't necessarily work anymore. Maybe it will work again when everyone's forgotten about it, but that's an example of it's creative and you can get clever with something like that and you can just have like a windfall success because that's out of the norm it seems genuine it seems conversational it doesn't seem like a sales pitch you've got a ceo asking a team member if they could set up a meeting with another senior leader from um, another company and you can get really clever with that as well with the the message from the ceo saying how hey, i'd really you know see if they're willing to come over for a cup of coffee you know whatever it is like um that's just an example it's creative somebody yeah. very clever thought of that and it absolutely killed it smashed everyone else no one else was doing it for a while and then everyone else started doing it okay. exactly then everyone starts doing it and now they actually see it as sneaky and yeah. cheating and disingenuine and you're doing yourself a disservice so now we would recommend don't do that but the person who did that first the person who was creative okay. smashed it so the line between being inventive and being deceptive is very thin. <laughs> oh, of course. Like that's, yes, you know, you're right. That is a bit of a deceptive one, a bit of a disingenuine one. But at the same time, the CEO or the VP of sales is actually instructing the, 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 um, the BDR or the SDR to set up that meeting. Um, you know, it's just a little bit different. I just gave you a list of 100 companies to say prospect yeah. to, right? Uh, so there are creative ways. There's um, video outreach at the moment, which obviously mm -hmm. you know all about. There's yep. um, GIFs. There's um, how you can tie in relevant personalization into your message. Um, there were some people, for example, transferring people two cents on Venmo. They were just oh. sending that. They okay. were sending. The, do you know Venmo? We don't have Venmo in Australia, but it's a thing in the States. Like okay. a, it's like PayPal kind of. Right, thing. right, right. You right, can just right. transfer someone money, right? Mm. Um, and they were sending someone two cents. Like all you need is like the email address or their phone number and you can send them money. So they're sending someone two cents and in the notes saying, um, 
Yeah. Hey, James, hoping to give you my two cents on oh SDR. My God. Yeah, on, on SDR management. Right? <laughs> That's lame, give but still. <laughs> like, and you know what? It's absolutely lame, but that will get you the CEO to, or the VP of sales to actually engage. Just, just saying like, hey, mate, that was, that was so creative. I'm going to give you five minutes of my time. Wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is all super interesting. And there's hundreds of different, these are all little tricks and gimmicks, right? But I think to its core, the thing is, how do you stand out when every email looks the same, sounds the same? So be different, even if it's just in how you write. Um, Personalize a lot because that is always unique, right? If I just saw that you went on a, on a holiday and you've just come back from, um, I don't know, from Rome, mm. right? And then I include a picture of myself in Rome and say, hey, maybe that was you in the background. Or I don't know, <laughs> like it's just something that's going to make you like, you know, turn on for for 15 seconds to read the rest of my message. Okay. So the trick is to think outside the box. <laughs> okay. Ab- absolutely. Um, and then in general, short, hyper relevant to the point succinct emails will still perform better and more than anything you have to get it in the inbox because you could send the world's most creative prospecting email and if it goes to their spam folder you might as well have just typed it up and clicked delete true absolutely okay so thank you for that rick it was super interesting listening to your examples and uh, yeah, so you mentioned video outreach, right? So could you elaborate a little more on that? Because I've noticed that you post quite a lot of content, video content on LinkedIn. So how is video better than text in terms of you know getting responses or engagement? And also what's your take on using video for prospecting? So let me start on using video for prospecting. I think okay. video in a sales cycle can be a superpower. There's okay. one caveat. The caveat is that including video in your initial cold email can mm-hmm. decrease delivery. So now you have a, a challenge and in right. general, we'd recommend not sending it on the first email, sending mm-hmm. it further down in the sequence. At the same time, there's relevance to doing that because to, to make a personalized video for 10,000 people, you know, or a thousand people is a hell of a lot of time when a lot of them aren't going to respond or even watch it. So as soon as we've had some form of engagement, any form of oh. engagement, video is killer video is also really good on platforms like linkedin where you don't have delivery issues you know mm-hmm. if you send it it's going to go to their inbox because that's the process right Inmail's a bit different but to someone you connected with further in the sales cycle summarizing meetings um mm-hmm. you know compressing insights um you know, general touch points within the sales cycle video is tremendous and now i'll, I'll like group it in with social where it's better than text. Okay. People can see your body language. Mm-hmm. They can pick up all of the nuances of, of how you're saying something. It is, you can convey and communicate a lot more information in a video than you mm-hmm. can in text. You can't get tone easily in text. Um, you can't get sincerity. You can't get nope. a whole lot that of things that you can convey and so ultimately you can be more convincing in an email Mm. 
you can form connections. You're actually building a relationship better via email. It's an asynchronous relationship, but you're building a relationship better when using video. Um, And yeah, ultimately to make a succinct three minute email is a lot, but in a three minute video, you can convey a lot of information. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And as they say, seeing is believing, right? So yeah. yeah. And one last thing for me to put together like a well-structured email, Mm. like a long email, a follow-up, I'm deep within a sales cycle. I'm like, I'm just one stage before negotiating, for example, or handling Mm email is really challenging to do that. It will take me 30 minutes, 45 minutes to type up a really good email. Whereas I could probably bang that off in a video in five minutes. Because I know exactly what I want to say. It's just how to write it in a succinct way. That's the challenge. So video actually saves me a lot of time and is better. It's just a, it's just a win. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people have this, uh, you know, perception of videos being time consuming to create. So I think you kind of demystified that. No, it's not. It's well, actually it doesn't problem. need to be perfect, right? Yeah. Now it's different. You do, you're doing um, social posts on video. That's a different mm-hmm. story, right? Now you've got branding and whatever. Um, but it's the imperfection in the videos that it helps to convey the, the yeah. human side of it and bring in those nuances. So I don't mind stumbling, I don't mind stammering a little bit, as long as you should see a relatively succinct and mm-hmm. conveying useful and relevant information, you don't have to be perfect. Um, so in that sense, it's a lot quicker. You don't have to edit either, right? Um, or even if you have to want to yeah. re-record something, you can, it's super quick. Um, the, yeah, I, I personally find email takes me a lot, a lot harder. One last interesting observation is, Videos on LinkedIn, as an example, mm. um, tend to have a lot less reach than text. I don't get as many people watching a video as I do reading a post. However, when mm. I bump into people, when I see them in real life or when I talk to them, they always mention my video and not my text. Right? To me, it's just very often obvious that the video has a greater impact. It's stickier, it's more memorable. Yeah. And so in many ways, the quality of it as a tool to um, help build my reputation, it's a much higher quality tool than text. That's what matters, right? Like more than, you know, reaching a large number of people, just reach a few that, uh, you know, really matter to you. So, yeah. Okay. So I think the bottom line is, you know, video works better than uh, text, like especially further down the sales cycle. Yeah. And hey, and you can, you know, you can use your transcript as text as well. So it's actually yeah. video is a great way to create text. Yeah, I think right now the um, the tagline is to, you know, write as you speak. Don't make exactly. your emails too formal. So yeah, I think this is a great idea uh, using the transcript as an email script. So yeah. All right. So Ricky, I think we are almost at the end of our session. And here's my final question to you. What are some books, podcasts or newsletters that you recommend to our listeners? Oh, there's so many. I've got a whole list yeah. over on, on our website. Um, there's the ultimate, just like, I don't know, Google the ultimate SDR guide on Pointer. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're just starting out, um, someone like Beck Holland has put together her Flip the Script series. Yeah. And there is so much knowledge and insights and expertise there delivered for free that it is mind-blowing. 
we no, use you, it so yeah we know how powerful <laughs> that is right. so, so uh, beck holland yeah. flipped the script absolutely incredible then it depends on your style like listening to someone like or uh, getting a course from someone like josh braun really powerful he's uh he's exceptional at asking questions and and um disarming people uh, so it really depends what you're looking for like if you're looking at someone like jeb blunt's fanatical prospecting it's a good book but it's very like bang your chest um you know heavy sales bro kind of like almost um some like misogynistic uh oh. kind of trends within it right or like a stereotype of sales that not that doesn't resonate with everyone if it resonates with you go for it right good book there's a lot of value in it but it's really not for everyone um podcasts i really like one um 30 minutes to president's club like it's a classic everyone listens to it yeah. and for good reason it's one of the best um there's you know as i meant like the fanatical prospecting scott lisa's mm -hmm. books are really good um jason uh so yeah jason bay's uh, outbound squad yeah. really good to listen to the, the truth is there's a hell of a lot of excellent content out there um but seriously i don't know if you put it in the show notes i've got this guide the ultimate sdr guide where essentially we've just created lists it's a it's like a notion document where we've just created a list of like here are the podcasts to listen to here are the books to read here are some webinars to watch there's there's more content out there right now to learn mm. how to do sales than ever before. And so yeah. from an academic perspective, you'll never go wanting. Awesome. And I think a comprehensive list of, uh, you know, such books and podcasts is necessary, like the one you created so that people don't get lost searching for. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite simply, and, it, yeah. if they go to guide.pointerstrategy.com.au, it, okay. it will take them there. And there's a list of podcasts um, there's there's so many like when they're getting further into the sales cycle and they're really looking to um, expand into their um, their account executive roles uh, skills. So then there's things like um, audibly ready and the challenger uh, winning the challenger sale by Jen Allen. Mm -hmm. Really incredible. If you're more into sales enablement, so then there's a sales enablement podcast. I love everything by Sales IQ. Luigi and his team do an incredible job. Even one of our competitors, Science, has a podcast called Enterprise mm -hmm. Sales Development, and it is a phenomenal listen. There's a lot of great tools out there. Um, if you're into Medic, for example, there's Masters of Medic with Andy White. Um, really incredible podcast, mm -hmm. incredible shows, so much to listen to and watch. When, if an SDR really needs to practice and needs mentoring and needs coaching, it needs daily support like hey would you listen to my cold call tell me what i could have done better or um hey i've just received this this response on linkedin or this response from the ceo how would you reply if you need um, more coaching training mentoring and management support that's when it's hard to find it online and that's the kind of service that point is trying to to offer companies awesome all right so i'm sure our listeners would have made notes of your exhaustive and super insightful list if not we'll be uh, posting them on our socials and also the landing page when this podcast goes out so no worries there uh, okay so i think that brings us to the end of this episode thank you ricky for those incredibly insightful tips on cold outreach 
you have given our listeners a wealth of advice to execute upon so thank you for that thank you for having me on it was really fun, really great chatting to you yeah i had fun too thank you for that and yeah once again thank you listeners for tuning in today we'll be doing many more of these podcasts with more such stellar sales leaders from around the globe so stay tuned in to our upcoming episodes we are on apple spotify google and stitcher also subscribe to get notified when a new episode is out and please leave us a review if you're on apple thanks for listening bye and have a great day once again thank you thank you